going on in here? Do I have it plugged up? Why can I not hear anything? Okay, there we go. I'm live in effect. I got my co-hosts for today, Jackie Thunder, coming on the show. And I have another another co-host back here. Um, you can hear her in the back. My daughter. She's a uh, Doing kid shit, you know, fucking up things, being wild, not listening to me. Her mom stayed up last night pretty late to like, what, three o'clock in the morning. So she's just waking up, stirring. Oh, Jackie Thunder's here already. Um, the subjects that we're going to tackle today are two different things, but one side of the same coin. Um, personalities. What makes you you? And also, why we pick who we pick? Is there any type of rhyme? I'm drinking some coffee. Man, I love coffee. I gave up coffee for a little bit. But I brought it back and she has something in her mouth. Hold on. Yeah, you might have to go inside while I'm doing this, kid. Here's your bed. Um, why we pick who we pick? Is there any rhyme or reason? Um... You know, I talked to a friend of mine, and we were delving into that topic about why we pick the partners we pick, and it was a group of women. And it's really interesting talking to these women because I start to realize that their experiences in the dating realm are entirely different than the ones that guys have to face. Yay! And I guess now that I have a daughter, she's two. My interest in that has gone up. I've always had female friends and I've always listened to their dating experiences and I've always been like, stop dating jerks. And you're, and you're, yay. What you want some, you got something to say? No, you just want to harass me. Um, I've always been, well, stop dating jerks and your whole, all your problems will be solved. But the more and more I talk to these women, varying in different ages, I start to realize that it's a little more in depth than that. It's not as easy um, as it appears on the surface for a lot of women in the dating market. And don't think that I'm pandering. Uh, I have some pretty tough views on it, but I'll get into that later. Once my co-host gets in, she's probably trying to figure out how does she call it. Well, Jackie, there's a button on there somewhere that allow you to call in. And sometimes it acts a little weird. And let me make sure that there's nothing on my side. And I don't know why you're wiping baking soda on me. That's keeping you from being able to call in. But um, oh, there she goes. Hey, Jackie, what's going on? Hey, you there? Hey, can you, yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Gotcha. Good, good deal. So you might have heard a little bit. I just gave a, a brief introduction. And for anybody that's online... Uh, unless I know you, I probably won't be taking any outside calls today because I want to keep the topic on the topic. The two topics we'll talk about today are personality types and why we pick who we pick. 
this is a subject that's both near and dear to both me and Jackie's heart. And we spend a lot of time talking about it because it's really interesting, especially if you're somebody that people watches. Yeah, for sure. And people who, I guess people who uh, care about people and how, I, I don't know, you just, you want to be able to understand people. So um, knowing how they choose mm -hmm. relationships like, makes a huge difference. I didn't Dude. know you did this live. What's that? I didn't know you did this live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason I do it live is for a couple of reasons. One, um, I never go back and re-edit my shows. I tried and don't have the patience for it. And two, in trying to find a platform, I came across Podbean and I realized that because I have a tendency to jump around topics, a live show suits me better. Because just like in the setting that we work in, if even if things are thrown at me left and right, I can generally keep up. Right. So yeah. it works well for me. Yeah. It being live. And the fact that it lives live callers is really good too because, all right, uh, put the baking. So right now, I got a new fridge from my sister in law mm -hmm. and it smelled. So I put some baking soda in it. And so my daughter thinks it's really funny to take all the baking soda out, which is what she's doing right now, and rub it on my leg. Oh. Yeah. At least it's on your leg and not like everywhere around the house. Yeah, that's true. We're in the garage, so she's pretty much free to do. Oh, whatever gotcha. she wants so in looking up personality stuff is there been any in your research has there been anything new that you discovered or anything that you'd like to share off top uh i don't know i always feel like you know when you do those personality quizzes um mm -hmm. there are so many of those questions where you know it says are you most like this or like this and you have to say like um which one most strongly supports your personality and which one least supports your personality. And for me, um, I always have a really hard time with it and think that they are never going to peg me because I feel like I, it's almost like those uh, nursing school tests where you have to be mm. like, you know, all of these are correct, but which one is the most correct? Right. Um, and so uh, I guess I always feel like it's going to be inaccurate because I mm -hmm. feel like they're all correct and it, I have trouble finding those, those best ones. Yeah. Figure it out in the end. So yeah. she's really excited about my personality quizzes. Yeah, she's really excited about everything. Right now she has my Amazon Echo and I don't <laughs> oh, know what she's about to do with it. What's that? <laughs> she's set. Yeah, she yeah, she's about to, talk to, her. to wreck some stuff. Um, you know, it's funny that you bring up the nursing school test um where we were in nursing i'm the psych whisperer a lot of people know me that say i'm really good at talking talking down aggressive patients well psych is one of the classes that i had the most difficulty in because really? of the test taking aspect absolutely because they would give very subjective questions hey Vinny, they would give very subjective questions and they're none of the things that i would actually do in real life Right. Yeah. So it made it so much more difficult for me. You know, they would never tell you in nursing school that if somebody's being aggressive and loud to get closer to them. Right. And that doesn't seem like a natural thing to do. But I find that and you might see me do it. I find that when you are when you have somebody and I can't even explain how I could. It's a gut feeling type thing when somebody's being loud and aggressive and it's totally patient dependent getting in closer to them 
mm-hmm. sometimes takes them off guard because that's not what they're used to. And a lot of right. people, they know that when they get all loud and crazy, they'll get the response that they're looking for. They're trying to push people away. They're not right. used to people trying to embrace them and actually help them. And so it throws them off guard and usually they're more prompt to listen to you after that. Right. Yeah, we are we're taught to stay on guard, stay a certain amount of feet away and be ready to escape. And you will take someone who is, I mean, belligerent and then five minutes later y'all are off in a corner telling each other your deepest darkest secrets or something. I don't know what y'all are talking about. But for whatever reason, y'all end up looking like best friends and that person is totally calm and cooperative. I don't know. Well, you do it well I tell That's everybody, one of the ways, I guess. well, the, one, the biggest secret with anybody to uh, de-escalation and it's something that you can't teach mm-hmm. is that you actually have to care about what the person is yeah. going through. Because if you don't yeah. care and you're trying to be slick or double talk mm-hmm. and things like that, people pick up on that. But when you genuinely are interested in how somebody gets home, why aren't they mm-hmm. able to eat? No matter what type of background that person has, they can feel it. They're like, oh, man, this person is not bullshitting me. They actually give a shit. Right. I think that also goes for, like, um, I see it in coworkers, too, when, mm-hmm. when people have, like, problems with each other. You know, one of them might have a shorter temper or um, be harder to talk to. Mm-hmm. But really, it usually comes down to them just being listened to. Yeah. And they just want to have their side heard. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take a whole lot. Um, but people are put off by mm-hmm. those types of personalities. So they just go and paddle or whatever. When um, really it just takes a really short amount of time, depending mm-hmm. on how long-winded they are, I guess. But um, it just takes listening. Right. And that's really all the de-escalation is is just listening and confirming feelings and letting them go about their business. And maybe sometimes you'll have to explain, you know, why they can't or or can do mm-hmm. whatever it is they're upset about. But um, I think people get frustrated easily when everybody has something that mm-hmm. makes them the way they are. Right. Um, yeah. And I think, and and what's been really interesting the longer I keep doing this podcast and the more people I talk to, I'm starting to realize that humans universally all have a few shared emotions, depression, sadness, happiness, and a big one. And it's, it's really interesting. And it goes across color lines, age, gender, is Mm -hmm. everybody doesn't feel like they're being listened to. Right. Everybody feels like and it almost doesn't matter your level of power because you can be a CEO at home and you can get home. What was that? Huh? Oh, I just heard this oh, weird noise. Oh, I hear myself. That's what it is. You could be a <laughs> CEO at home. Are you playing it in the background? I can hear like a. Me? Yeah. No. Okay. Maybe it's just me. Okay. Anyway, you could be a CEO at home, but then when you, um, you might have a wife or a husband that never listens to you, or you might have kids that don't listen to you. There's always at some point in anybody's life where they don't feel 
I like their opinion or their voices are heard. And the interesting thing is how you respond to that. Um, I can use myself, for example. When I was growing up, I was the oldest child. And so and you can see this play out in real life. I was the oldest child. So I was taught to suppress my feelings for the greater mm. good of the camp. That being my right. brother, my baby brother and baby sister who were very just emotionally laid by on with jump off at the top of a hat. But I was always the, told to be calm, relaxed. And even if I was feeling an emotion or felt wrong to push it to the side. But what I started to realize that translated in real life to where I was always kind of putting my needs on the back burner and going forward that played out in some of my relationships too, to where somebody would do something and I'm like, well, that doesn't feel right. That's kind of weird. And what I didn't realize, and it wasn't until I went and saw some therapy, being taught that way teaches you not to have boundaries. Your boundaries shift towards the people. Um, that's not really an effective way of living. That'll cause you to always be off kilter and kind of be anxious. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that it's interesting to to hear that for you, that was taught. For me, that was learned. Like mm. I, I'm the middle child, but mm-hmm. and, you know, my older sister is pretty <clears throat> um, even keeled. My younger sister is very emotional. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think for whatever reason, <clears throat> I found that maybe also because I'm pretty perceptive and I can see other people's emotions really easily, mm-hmm. um, I'm uncomfortable with my own emotions. Mm. And so I think I, I, for whatever reason, learned how to deal with other people's emotions by mm-hmm staying calm, listening, understanding when they could or could not hear something, mm-hmm. like um, could or could not listen to advice. Like mm-hmm. in the moment, leave it alone. They're not going to hear anything. Um, wait till things calm down. Mm-hmm. And for myself, that meant uh, that meant being strong for mm-hmm. that person, being um, – I, I guess I found myself become like – uh, being that role for not just my family, but um, a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. And that meant being strong and staying stable and to the detriment of, you know, when I was going through stuff, mm-hmm. um, not letting it show. Right. Which in the same way, it will just boil up into this anxiety that, you know, hasn't been let loose. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's really weird that you that you say that because I meet a lot of people that have that that issue that perception of feeling like they need to be strong all the time Mm -hmm. and especially for other people um and just like you said that can be a detriment to yourself and what you also start what what I start to realize also you sometimes do more harm than good and the reason I say that for not just you for the other person because then the other person may start to internalize and they'll do two things. If you ever talk to a therapist, they generally won't solve your problems for you. Let me see how to get to this because it's kind of mm-hmm. long-winded. But um, okay. all right. So your therapist won't solve your problems for you. And one of the reasons why is because 
we generally have a hard time solving our own problems because we no longer trust our inner voice. So if you go to somebody else and they continually give you the answers to your problems, well, you never develop that trait. You're still dependent on this other person to solve your problems. Well, right. your problem is you don't trust yourself. And then if you go to this other person and they always seem like they have it together, like they never have any problems, that actually starts to make you feel worse about yourself. Because then you really start digging deeper and like, well, man, Jackie never seems like she's stressed. Jackie always seems like she has it together. I must really be fucked up. Right. As opposed to going to somebody, telling them how you feel, and then them saying, hey, man, guess what? I have the same problem. There's mm -hmm. a friend of mine. I, I'm not going to get too deep in this information, but we were talking about depression, and I was telling him that I have depression every day, every single day, sometimes bigger than others, sometimes smaller than others, but it's a constant. At first, he was like, well, I never deal with depression. I was like, oh, well, that's amazing. You need to bottle that up or put it in a book and sell it. But then the more I shared my own experiences, he finally opened up and said, yeah, you know what? Actually, I've suffered with depression a lot. So sometimes I don't know if the brave face or the strong face benefits anybody. Right. Yeah, and uh, I think two things that mm -hmm. came to mind when you were saying that. One, um, it's uh, you're right that it's harmful because that person keeps going back to you for the same thing. And mm -hmm. not only isn't it helpful for that person, it's it's annoying for me because I'm like, why aren't you getting your shit together? <laughs> True. Like I've told you, I've told you what you need to do. Why aren't you doing it? Um, yeah. And the other part of that is that I've noticed um, it's important for me to be more. Uh, so those emotions are there; mm -hmm. they exist. Um, I'm actually a very deeply uh, feeling person. I, I sometimes more for other people than myself, but mm -hmm. uh, but the self emotions are there also. But when I put up a front as a very standoffish. Um, we're not standoffish, but a, a wall mm -hmm. who, you know, people think, oh, she's uncomfortable with certain emotions or, or whatever that that limits the amount of love. So, uh, yeah, so there's just a um, an incorrect notion mm -hmm. that, you know, people who are that strong don't need the same amount of um, affection or love or or feeling right. than other people. So yeah, yeah I think it's on both sides, it can be detrimental. Absolutely. Um, sometimes I wish that I had more of an ability to hide my emotions. And I won't <laughs> say that I, somebody, Vinny just said, inner peace and positive vibes are required to face the depression. And when one feels a little improvement in recovery, then he, she needs either family support friend support or sometimes he needs to be left alone. I think those are all very correct. But I think and I touched on this on a previous podcast, I don't know what it is about depression specifically, and it all depends on what you're depressed about, that kind of sends you into a shame cycle to where you don't want to reach out to people. 
and I can't figure out why. Well, I do. I, you know what? I'm lying. I can't figure out why. People give you really shitty advice when you're depressed. Um, sometimes they don't know what to do. They don't know when to back up. They want to encourage you to go out and drink and chase women, at least for guys. Um, that isn't always the best solution for somebody. Hey, uh, Benny, I'll read your messages when I can. Um, that's not always the best solution. A lot of times, the only thing people need when they're depressed is just like, I don't know, sometimes just not somebody to just be there. Right. Like simply to be there. I had a buddy of mine who, uh, when my father passed, he came over to the house. He came over, him and his sister came over literally every single day. And he would talk to my wife. He's like, I don't know what to do for him. But in reality, he did the greatest thing you can do for somebody. And that's simply just being there. Yeah, I um, I think that so on the note of like why people don't reach out, I I actually think that it's not as much because I know that if I talk about things or, if, you know, I talk through things, it's really good for me. I, I um, it, it's just good. It's I mean, that's therapy. Mm -hmm. But um, I have found in myself and I see it in other people, too. Um, I find there's almost a shame or embarrassment in admitting actual depression mm -hmm. when you don't feel like your circumstances meet your emotions. Right. Like I don't feel right. like what's going on in my life justifies what I'm feeling. Mm. So um, why, like, you know, so, so what's the reason? Like why, why, why should I, like, there's nothing that happens that, should make me feel like this so um i shouldn't well i think it's totally dependent on who you talk to and those are the right. people that you generally don't talk to and they usually fall in the same category and that's people who like to give unsolicited advice mm -hmm. and people that will try to minimize what you're going through like if you come to them and say we'll just use heartbreak for an example and be like, man, you know, this guy, girl, just broke my heart. I'm really feeling down. And then they reply right. with something like, I told you not to talk to that person anyway. and It's not a big deal. There's other fish in the sea. So they're giving you both that unsolicited advice that you didn't ask for. And they're minimizing right. your true hurt. So right. I don't know why people do that. I don't know if it makes them feel empowered, smart. I, I haven't even delved that deep into it. But I know I've had a string of people give me that type of advice, and it made me just stop wanting to seek people's advice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think everyone's just very, everyone, no matter what, you have to learn not to be selfish. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone um, is innately self-centered. So when you hear, you know, this person broke my heart, I think it's so easy to be like, well, I told you so. So I think I think it's 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 it again all depends on the person and the maturity of the person you seek advice from and that's why we stick to the people that we find that we can trust and that can have these good conversations because when you go to someone who turns it on themselves and makes you feel like shit that that shuts us down completely and is really damaging and, mm -hmm. and I mean. 
if you have that kind of experience, that can stop you from seeking advice for years. Absolutely. Forever. And I think you just hit it on the head. And even though it was something I said, the way that you framed it is precisely what I was thinking. I just didn't have the words. When you said that when you get some, when you get advice from somebody about a situation you're going through and they somehow turn it into something about them, that's very, 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 for all you I told you so people, that is so unappealing. It is such a headache when I come to you and you've told me the thing, whatever, even if you're right, please, Mm -hmm. for the sake of God, people, leave I told you so out of your vocabulary. It is a disgusting term to use and it doesn't it doesn't do anything but make you feel better, I guess, about what I don't even know what it does. I guess it's just an ego boost. Right. But it's really off putting. Really irritating. And I know that most and I notice that most people do it in the context of dating. Um, Mm. When there's a guy or a girl that you feel that your friend shouldn't date or they feel you shouldn't date. And they might tell you, and that's okay. And then when things go south, I've had people like, I told you, man, I told you not to do it. I'm like, well, thanks. Because it's usually, they usually tell you while you're in the midst of this heartbreak. Right. Like while you're in the thunderstorm of all these mixed emotions, when in reality, they just need somebody to kind of shut up. And not even, and also people don't bash the other person's uh, ex for guys. I don't know how it is for women, but for guys, it does not make us feel better. It's like, man, yeah. so y'all knew this the whole time and no one told me anything. Right. Right. It also just makes you look bad for being with that person. Yeah. Ever. It makes you feel like you just, um, makes you feel like a fool. It makes you feel foolish. And that's not right. a feeling that anybody likes. And we'll kind of go into why we pick who we pick when it comes to dating. Um, I was having a conversation earlier with somebody about preferences versus types is it Mm. right so there's nothing wrong to me with having a preference like if you say i like i don't know women that are six foot with blonde hair whatever it is but you say well i'm still open to dating other women but that's something that i'm attracted to somebody that has a type I notice that people that have types and that will exclude other people that don't fall into their type have a really difficult time dating. And there's usually right. something mentally off about that person. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, it's a, again, goes back to a selfishness. It's a, I don't, I'm not going to entertain the idea of anyone that is less than this. Mm-hmm. but it's more about it's more about them it's more a selfish thing where like the deeper things don't come into play right about their the person that they're picking mm-hmm. but where do you think that happens along the line because when we're younger um it seems like and i gotta stop saying um if i had ability to edit it out i would but i'm at whatever this coffee's getting to me what do you think it is about your dating preferences, types, wants, needs that changes as you get older. Because when you're younger, it's literally just, I find him or her attractive. Let's date. Uh, you know, we were talking about this uh, the other day, and I think 
like I said a couple times, like that frontal lobe means a lot. Mm-hmm. Like when you start to mature and your brain is less impulsive mm-hmm. and you start to see that relationships mean more than what's cool and what's popular and who's who looks like this and who looks like that. I think um, I, I think when you're younger, you see it on TV that people have mm-hmm. types. You see that um, you see that you get more attention if you're dating a certain type of person. Mm. Um, you're it's a more popular thing to do in high school, and that carries over into uh, you know a certain age. I'm not sure what exact switch it is, but when you get older, you start kind of realizing that you know your type people that you're innately attracted to, Chris Hemsworth comes on the TV, yeah, I'm going to look at him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to say that he's a great person to date. Mm -hmm. I don't know him. Right. Um, Right. So I think, yeah, there's there's uh, an innate self that is immediately attracted to the sexual part of things. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then you start to realize that that's, that's a very base thing mm-hmm. and the people who continue to do that well into their late 20s 30s 40s mm-hmm. never mature out of their base self it feels like me i think you're absolutely correct um yeah i think i think that and i've seen it play out and generally it doesn't really play out well uh, when people stick with that type regardless if that type is good for them or not And they just keep trying to hammer at it and make people fit into that image. And I think the longer that you stick along with that, I can only date this type of person, you make it harder for yourself to step outside that bubble of dating a different type of person because you're not really happy because what you really want is this type of person. You just couldn't get it. So that's when settling probably comes into place. And I don't Mm -hmm. think anybody's happy settling. And I had uh, somebody ask me the question, well, should they settle? You know, because I'm I'm getting a little bit older. I'm getting up there. Should I settle for something? Exactly. And I said, well, it depends. If you think so, it does. So if you're set, if you're settling is um, on spiritual things like morality type things, like you don't want to date somebody who's a swinger or you don't want to date somebody who doesn't want to have kids or does want to have kids or doesn't want to work or does want to work. I wouldn't tell anybody to settle on those type of things because those things will always rear their head and will definitely cause problems in the future. However, if you're settling is height, weight requirements, a certain type of look, I probably would tell you, you need to readjust those things and decide how important they are to you. They are to you in picking up a mate. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess when I hear settling, mm-hmm. I hear I'm going to do this even though I'm unhappy. I don't want to. Right. Right. Which is never a good idea. It's not. It really isn't. But if you're but to me, if you're um, and you can't make anybody. I, well, let me see. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it. What I would tell somebody that has these strict physical requirements of what they're looking for in a mate. I'll just cut right to it. You probably need to go seek some help. Oh, yeah. You need to go 
talk to somebody about why you have the such strict stringent lines on the physical requirements i and don't get it confused everybody i'm not saying date somebody or become exclusive with somebody that you're attract that you're not attracted to but i find it very hard to believe that the people that you're attracted to fit only in one package because if that's the what i generally find when you only want people that fit into one package it's less about you and more about you being able to show this pe person off to your friends it's more about what other right. people think as opposed mm -hmm. to what you truly um feel right or if you're embarrassed to be with someone who doesn't fit into that package right. it's, it's the same thing just the opposite corner of the room like right if if there's something it's something about you if you don't want to introduce your friends to this person that you are um personally attracted to but not physically mm -hmm. um and i've always found that like the more i get to know certain people the more attracted I am to them physically because I, I find them adorable with their personality or whatever. Um, and if that again is, is, is not something that um, someone can see past, if like there's something physical that someone can't see past for someone mm -hmm. who has a fantastic personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you, you've got to, you've got something to work through. And it's funny that you say that because I was actually having a, Converse, I don't know if I have the text stream still, but to me, and I don't know if it's because I'm old, if it became, no, it's always kind of been there. Um, the personality thing is a huge thing for me. And I'm not even just saying that um, to sound good. I honestly feel that way. There can right. be somebody that I can look at and be like, meh, they're okay. And then I talk to them and I'm not joking people. I'll talk to them and they have like this really sweet, positive, good vibe about them. And I start looking at them. I'm like, why am I becoming sexually attracted to this person? Yeah. And I can't even explain it. Like all of a sudden I will start looking at that person as a legit dating option just off the strength of their personality and not the type of person that is kind of faking the funk. Somebody that genuinely has that good spirit in them. I'm attracted to it and usually more than on a friendship level, but it goes the opposite way too. And this mm -hmm. has definitely happened to me as I've gotten older. I've dated and met so many beautiful people with such ugly personalities. I can't even see them anymore. I can't even see that they're attractive right. because I'm so you turned don't off. don't want to look at them. Yeah. Like right. there's nothing there because of that. Right. And the physical literally starts to mean absolutely nothing yeah. because they are such repulsive people that physically they become repulsive. Yeah. And usually yeah. I could tell, and this is a little TMI, I can usually tell when I'm nearing the end of the relationship, when I start losing sexual attraction and my, let me see how to say it without being vulgar, my body starts responding a certain way. If you get right. what I'm saying, like I legit yeah. do not find them attractive at all. And my body's right. like, nope, I don't see right. it anymore. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Um, and that's something the, the finding people unattractive due to their personality is something that I had to grow to learn. That didn't, it didn't mm -hmm. start that way. Um, 
because I realized that generally speaking, when we find somebody super attractive, especially younger, we'll overlook a lot of red flags that are blaring in our face to get away from this person. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, a lot of what we have been talking about is basically sex versus relationship. And when Mm -hmm. you're younger, you're just so hormonally charged that, like, it that's all you think about and it that's that's what matters to you Mm -hmm. you know um and but without realizing that like you know the other stuff is what matters Mm -hmm. um you just don't have the you don't have the uh reason or the um understanding to see it but you know when yeah when you're younger you you go straight for the sexual because that's that's a lot of who you are at that point um but you also have the other things and that's why so much of that damage happens then Mm -hmm. because when you base it all off of sex and hormones that other part of you is gonna take a hit yeah a big hit and me and you have been having this conversation a lot over the last few days yeah um, in regard to well wants versus needs in dating Mm because what i find is what do we date for when we pick who we pick like i was saying you know when we're younger we pick people just because we like them or whatever it is but as we get older we start picking people for needs what we emotionally need or some people financially need and from what i've experienced in life that is not really a good way to pick somebody because right. needs change. Um, like in the case of, we'll just use somebody, maybe it's a single mom. Well, if you pick somebody solely on the contingent of, well, I need somebody to help me with my children, well, eventually those kids will become of age where you don't need that anymore. Well, what happens right. to the relationship? Or if you date somebody for an emotional need because you're lonely or depressed, well, what happens if you start to seek therapy and work on yourself and you no longer need that, well, what happens to the basis of that relationship? I really firmly believe you should just date people because you want them in your life. Yeah, absolutely. I think it should be uh, friendship. I think it mm-hmm. should be companionship. Um, like you said, it, it your life takes a lot of ups and downs and changes, and you have, we have very little control over um, what happens in life. I mean, look at 2020. Um, mm you you have no idea when you're going to lose your job you have no idea when um pandemics and hurricanes and and you know life will Mm -hmm. be ruined Mm -hmm. and if you have chosen someone based on hey they are going to meet my financial needs well they just lost their job so they don't need that anymore Mm -hmm. what are you keeping them around for right absolutely Um, and yeah, I, I personally think that it needs to be um, someone you love and enjoy being around and and can be there personally and through a genuine loving friendship and will, um, there's a mutual sacrifice, I think, in any relationship that has to be there and a willingness to um, put that person before yourself mm-hmm. um and so uh, yeah the the physical um tangible 
financial needs need to be real minimal if they're at all. Um, you've got to, again, I know that I'm, I'm a little different from, from a lot of people, but I'm a big fan of, like, if you can't be in control of your own, own life, if you can't support yourself um, financially, emotionally, personally, um, with kids or whatever, if you can't do all of that yourself, mm-hmm. you you're not going to, you're not going to be happy fulfilling that with someone else. Mm, you're absolutely right. And it's a lesson that I've had to learn over the last year that it is impossible to achieve happiness from any external source. And yeah. to the listener, I can let you, you can pick what that external source is, whether it be relationships, drugs, alcohol, coffee, which I love. I, <laughs> growing up, was a serial monogamist. Like I would just go from one relationship to the next with very little in between time. The more I think about it, I'm like, what exactly was I looking for? Well, I was looking for some type of female. I was, cause I was very insecure when I was younger. And so I thought that if I had a pretty woman on my arm, that would validate me in some fashion, make like me more confident. make yeah. me more confident. Well, well, what happens when I, when I break up? Right. Does my confidence leave with that person? And generally it did. So what would I do? A couple of things. One, be promiscuous by trying to sleep with different women or getting in another long term relationship with another woman. And what I've come to realize in jumping from one relationship to the next, you never give yourself time to do a deep dive into yourself about not only what causes you to be that way, like what hurt happened in between, you also don't get a chance to find out what you really want. Because when you seek validation from other people, your boundaries and standards move from person to person to person. Right. Right. And what I found in, and, uh, you know, I say, I, I've said for a long time that if this, this is a expectation in the South, probably more than it is in the North. I've never actually lived in the North for uh, an extended period of time, but mm-hmm. um, but the South being more conservative mm-hmm. um, and more traditional, I think it is expected um, that you do X, Y, and Z. You mm-hmm. get um, you graduate, you get married, you have kids, and that is supposed to fulfill your needs. So I think that um, I think that there are expectations placed on young people today mm-hmm. and have been for years and years um, that aren't necessarily healthy because right. they are expected to be with someone. And if there's, if you're not with someone, there's mm-hmm. something wrong. And it's so interesting you say that because society will send you two messages. One saying to get the wife, husband, get the kid, get the house, get the career, and you'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And then on this other opposite side, to have as much promiscuous sex as you can, to have as much right, sexual, yeah. ca- casual sex as you can. And the problem with both of those messages, not only do they not fit everybody, and I found this out the higher up in salary that I went, it's more depressing. So let me see how to phrase it. So it's one thing to have a dream to be like, man, if I just make this money, 
all my problems will be solved. It is the single most depressing feeling when you get all the things that society tells you you are to get, whether it be a lot of casual partners or the white picket fence and the six figures, and you find yourself still unhappy because then you yeah. don't know what to do next because now you really feel like a weirdo because you're like, wait a second, I have everything that society mm -hmm. told me was going to make me happy and it doesn't. Right. But the trick is all those things are external things. Right. They're not, they never tell you to work on yourself. Mm -mm. No. Yeah, but that's not, which I, I almost feel like that needs to be a, I think psychology is a, um, a prerequisite like in mm -hmm. any college course mm -hmm. uh, but that really should be something they teach younger yeah uh, absolutely. like it's such a fundamental thing and mm -hmm. it's it still has the stigma of um oh, oh but you need help mm -hmm. um oh, so I, I really should be, yeah right right man up <laughs> um but i really do think that it should be taught at such an early age that um one of the fundamental things of life is to work on your brain, your psyche, your emotions, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, get help with whatever it is. If, even if you think it's the smallest thing in the world, right. it's okay to talk about it. Yeah. And you know, that's funny. Now that I'm really sitting there thinking about it, you would wonder why they're, why out of all the bullshit courses they make you take in school, high school, college, mm -hmm. that they wouldn't make you for 15 minutes, go to the counselor's office, I don't know, maybe once a month, once a week, and just say, hey, how are you feeling? Yeah. You would think, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't take much time, but if you, if we were to indoctrinate our kids very, very early, like high, elementary, middle school, high school, that seeking therapy is just a normal way of life, it wouldn't have to be a way of, un you have to unlearn. It was so uncomfortable the first time I went to therapy, because so I was like, yeah. What am I supposed to talk about? I don't know. Right. What am I supposed to do here? How much am I supposed to tell you? Is it okay right. to cry? I don't know. Am I supposed to lay back on this couch? How does right. it work? All you have is TV now that I'm thinking about it. Mm -hmm. All you have is TV that tells you, um, I'm thinking of The Sopranos for some reason. When I, Even though I never watched the show, I tried, but it was pretty dated by the time I got there. But yeah, you, you think about that. Actually, now that I'm sitting here really thinking about it, the way TV portrays psychology, it doesn't come across as favorable. It comes across as a no. combative thing. It comes across right. as you in a vulnerable position, laying down while somebody else is over you, taking notes and then picking you apart and challenging you all the time. It doesn't right. come across as a comforting thing. And we right. watch, we all watch a lot of TV and that that doesn't sound appealing, even though therapy is nothing like that. That's the way it's portrayed. Right. I think more than any <laughs> really random, I again, never thought about this, but um, maybe the most accurate portrayal of, of uh, talking to someone or, or therapy is in mockumentaries where they do um, those talking heads. They, they like, they show what happened on the, the episode and then they mm -hmm. have someone speaking alone about what happened. Mm, yeah. yeah. Like that is more accurate than all this other stuff going on. You can talk about the, the dumbest things that happened to you, but they affect you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to talk about the things that aren't like the big things, but, but you need everyday guidance. And, and even if it's not guidance, it's, 
uh, it's good to just talk through. I tend to like like learn so much as I'm speaking. Um, but yeah, it, it is not portrayed in any, you know what? And you're gonna make fun of me for this maybe. I probably won't. People that, but whatever. So like, I am a big fan of SVU. Okay. And okay. Um, they recently have have shown more often the um, cops mm-hmm. doing like mandatory therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're very, you know, they're tough people. So they're always very standoffish and then mm-hmm. it always ends up being really helpful. Right. So that's probably where I've seen it most accurately, accurately portrayed. But yeah, it should be. I think we're onto something. I think we need to talk to some like legislature person. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it it should be like a prerequisite before mm-hmm. you graduate high school to um, have weekly fifteen minute sessions with your school counselor. Yeah, and you know, I I I touched on this in a previous podcast of, about picking mates about macro things and micro things. So they had a, mm-hmm. a, a study about partners and a big thing that people argue about in partnerships is delegation of chores, usually men versus women. And we'll talk about traditional roles. So the micro things, the things that you have to do every day, laundry, dishwashing, changing baby's diapers, the macro right. things, the bigger things, but are like, once a week, maybe mowing the lawn or changing a tire, it comes to find out that the person that's in charge of the micro things is usually the person that's bogged down the most and feels the most underappreciated and stressed out, which if mm-hmm. you think about it, makes sense. Yeah. Well, in relationships, the micro things as you get older are the things that are more important. Having a partner that listens to you every single day about what happened at work oh it was bad the partner that might bring you lunch to work or have dinner ready for you or maybe help you iron your clothes surprisingly enough is more important than the one that can give you mind-blowing sex and my younger listeners might think that's insane but i'm really telling you it is because when it comes to sex even if they're not meeting your whatever your standards are you can find opposite ways to pleasure yourself or figure it out. It's so much harder to teach somebody to listen to you and to validate you and to care about you. You can't teach somebody to do that. It's impossible, right. not impossible, but the amount of energy that you you do better just trying to find somebody else is really what I'm saying. But we don't right. have a tendency to realize that to really deepen the game. So yeah. we've got a lot of scarring. Go ahead. Yeah, it, I mean, just like basically repeating you but it's the small things that are so damn annoying to do um that take the it's the tedious time consuming things that with a little extra help makes such a huge difference and so when when you come home at the end of the day and the dishes are already clean that's you still there okay so hey you there yeah it just uh Sometimes if you like, if your phone has a lock on it, it'll like oh, it's take the thing up. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, the smallest, smallest things that to younger people might seem so uh, lame, honestly, but, um, but that make, that make a difference. Like it, it really, yeah. And it's, it's a little bit of selflessness. That's mm-hmm. what it is. It's that they 
took this 10 minute time out to do the thing that makes your life a little easier. Right. Um, yeah. And like the, like the buddy of mine who's, uh, was there for me when my dad passed away, he's actually yeah. listening in right now. It made yeah. me really rethink about who you consider your friends, right? Because right. generally, once again, when you're younger, who do you like hanging out with? The exciting people, the party people, the this and this and this people. That right. and Those are macro things. But in reality, that's not what a friendship is based on. It's right. the little, it's the being there, it's the micro things. Um, to the younger people, I'm telling you, those things are important. And if you can find somebody, man or woman, who appreciates you on that level, even if it's not a relationship, if even if it's just a friendship, you really yeah. should keep those people around you. They're going to do so right. much more good for you than dating some really hot chick who's always on the scene, always partying. It's, I can't even explain it. It seems so good on the surface, but those things aren't really anything to build a foundation on. Right. Yeah. Um, like you said, even in friendships, and I think that it's uh, when you're younger, like you said before, your needs change and your needs when you're younger are, I need to keep going. I need to be doing, I want to be popular. I want to be in this party. Mm -hmm. I want to do that, this. Um, but when shit hits the fan, mm -hmm. you're going to need someone who will take their time out of their day, like your friend, mm -hmm. uh, to go and sit with you, talk to you. It's not fun. No. You know, when no. someone goes through something horrible, it's, uh, it's, it's draining emotionally mm -hmm. to go and be with that person. It's not, it's not, um, it's a sacrifice mm -hmm. and it's something that like, hopefully that person loves you and wants to do, mm -hmm. but, but it is a sacrifice and, and you need people who are willing to, um, do those things, mm -hmm. something, something as small as sitting with you and talking to you, but, mm -hmm. but it is taking time out of their day from other things and, and is emotionally draining for themselves as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, it makes a huge difference when you meet those people. Unfortunately, sometimes you don't go through certain things until you're older and, right. and maybe you are, it's too late. You right. don't have those friends right. or whatever, but, yeah. um, hopefully well, one of those well, partiers is also nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I start to realize is that in all aspects of life, especially in dating, we have a tendency to fry our dopamine receptors. Um, like with junkies, for example, that do heroin or stuff like mm -hmm. that. They have a hard time liking everyday life because they've gotten this artificial high that can't be manufactured by anything in reality. Well, right. we have a tendency to do that with dating. So we'll hook up with these people short term, both men and women that are fun, exciting, this and this and this and this. These short term, basically like likes on Facebook or Instagram. Well, what happens when you get that micro person that they're a little dull, but they're day to day steady. That's hard to reprogram your brain to find that attractive because you right. fucking fried your, you, you fried your brain to want right. this constant level of not only excitement, but chaos. Like I can, I'll let a little, I won't tell, I won't say where we work, but we work in healthcare in an emergency room setting. I don't think either one of us could work in the office. I, oh, you no. see me in the office. I'm struggling every day. 
Right. Because yeah. I and then when it's slow, we say we don't want it, but we demand some action. <laughs> we right. want some kind of action because for years, like I don't know about you, but like when it's the most chaotic up there, I feel great. Yeah. I can complain about it, but I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. You get multiple people who are in there dying. I know it's, we, it's, we say a lot of things that sound really weird, but yeah. when you get multiple people that are in there dying, it runs smoothly. And it's HFD is coming in one safety. after another. Yeah. You can like go in there, dust your hands off and you're like, fuck yeah. Kick the ass in there today. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, uh, we had, you know, I was just there yesterday and it was pretty mm. slow. Um, and I was in an area that was also not, you know, it was like lower acuity, not as sick people. And um, I was, I was such a pain in the ass. I was also, I also worked a lot. I was tired, whatever. But mm-hmm. um, I was <laughs> being a pain in the ass going around being like, hey guys, I've saved approximately zero lives today. <laughs> want to let y'all know. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, we, we live in a, but it's mm. also unsustainable and we burn out. Precisely. And that's the thing that I'm starting to realize because I questioned somebody the other day. What stimulus can you expose yourself to in in nature over and over and over that you don't eventually get desensitized to? And we realize this more when we come home and be like, yeah, four people died today. And non-medical look at you like, oh, my God, that's horrible. Right. Are you okay? You're like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm totally fine. And sometimes we're really not. But we tell ourselves we are and we keep on going. Well, right. then my challenge to people is, well, why, why would casual sex be any different? If right. you introduce yourself to this stimuli over and over and over and over, at some point it's going to lose its effect on you. You're going right. to require, I won't say that you require weirder things, but once again, that micro person that you meet might not be able to give you what you want because you've just right. introduced this chaos for so long, it's hard to just be normal. Reprogram, yeah. yeah. And that is, I mean, yeah. that's a thing. There's like, uh, there's probably a pretty high incidence of sex addiction for yeah. our age yeah. and oh, yeah. um, uh, porn addiction. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's this constant seeking of a thrill. Mm-hmm. And when you don't get it, you need more. And yeah, when you find someone you get to a point where you want to be more steady and stable. Um, it's hard to find. And you say maybe not weird, but like technically, I mean, it's, it's probably, it probably is weird. The sexual stuff that people have been programmed to need. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just that it's become normalized. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're, it, you'd be hard pressed to find a stable person who is willing to do some of those things. And, and now that I'm really thinking about it, if you, the way we're conditioned, it's hard for us to watch. I, I know this has happened to me where you're watching a Facebook clip. Somebody like, hey, watch this video. And it's two minutes long. And you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> two minutes. I, I, well, right. I was supposed to watch the whole thing. Can you just fast forward to the, <laughs> the part that I'm supposed to like? Right, um, give me a summary. Yeah, just give me a summary of it. And same we same thing we do with news clips. How many people get their yeah. Facebook uh, information get their information off of Facebook? Well, are we really taught to be with one person? I don't think we're taught that anymore. We're taught to just move on to the next thrill, one right. after another after another. 
until this arbitrary age and then you're supposed to stop. Well, if you've never learned how to be in a stable relationship, why all of a sudden are you supposed to learn after you haven't ever done it? Right. Yeah. You're going to want to keep going, fill mm-hmm. that little black book up. Yeah. Um, you're especially men. I think yeah, have absolutely. This, like, badge absolutely. of honor for how many women they've slept with. Absolutely. And uh, it's, it's maybe satisfying in the moment, but day to day. Yeah. You, you've got to, you know, and you, it's, hard to understand again when you're younger but you really do date a new person the older you get you mm-hmm. if you're if you're with the same person for a long time people change they grow they Absolutely. they learn and yeah you can you can do that together you just have to be patient and steadfast well like even for like the relationship between me and you um mm-hmm. it's totally different than when we i view you totally different than when you first started oh yeah relatively sure. the same but you're much different. You've matured in a lot of different ways and you've come into your own. And I don't view you as the same person that when you first stepped through those doors. Um, right. Yeah. It's when fluid. you when it's you fluid. met me, I was brand new, learning, growing. Mm-hmm. Um, my personality is the same but different. Like we've mm-hmm. there's been so much that has happened in my life and in the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've both learned, moved into different positions. Um and gotten to know each other more and the more that you do that the more you can build a solid relationship and and keep moving and growing and yeah so but Mm -hmm. there's this again like you and i have like personalities where we can see that um and we're both pretty calm and cool and collected and Mm -hmm. um and are okay with sitting and talking and not really doing a whole lot. We find this type of thing stimulating. Um, whereas we have friends who need, need literal dopamine surges. Constant. And, um, yeah, constant. And, and, and how do you, how do you tell someone or how do you, um, walk someone through this? Like, Hey, you're not going to be happy until you can let go of this and you're you're going to ruin all of these relationships which we've seen mm-hmm. um until until you can stop doing it so intensely every time well you know for me i found myself i was definitely and the reason i can speak so acutely to this issue is because it's a problem that i had because mm-hmm. what you end up doing consciously or unconsciously is once you're so used to this constant hit of dopamine and um, it's taken away from you, well, you'll start to, even if there is no issue, introduce chaos. A coworker Mm -hmm. of ours, I think you know him, first name starts with B, ends with a lake. I was talking to him (laughs) one day and um, I was like, I was telling him about my desk. I was like, my desk is real chaotic, but I like it this way. It's, you know, what I'm used to, it makes me feel comfortable. And he stopped and he's like, you know, the thing about it is you've gotten so comfortable with it, even though it's chaotic and not right, you'll make everything go back to that because that's your, that's what you feel is stable, is chaos, even though it's abnormal. He said that and I started really thinking about it and I was like, oh, fuck, this is how it is for me in relationships too. 
because I had this long string of relationships that were chaotic. Well, that's my comfort zone. I know how to deal with that. I've manufactured myself to be able to combat constant chaos. Well, what do you do when that chaos or that dopamine no longer exists? Well, you're outside of your element. So the only thing your body can do is what? Reintroduce that so you can feel normal again. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because um, I've done a similar thing where uh, younger Renee or whoever I am, uh, <laughs> um, like it was a more, I had a more intense um, relationship, mm-hmm. it really a string of relationships, friendships and, and romantic, where um, once I was hurt enough and mm-hmm. hurt enough people also. Um, I completely, and I've kind of talked to you about this before, but um, yeah. I, I just shut it down. Yeah. And I completely shut it off. And obviously that's not healthy. There has to be a good balance. But mm-hmm. there was a time where I completely shut down. I, like I took the dopamine to a completely different level. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I personally had to go the exact opposite way and not have close relationships for a long time mm-hmm. at all. And um, I don't, and again, I know that that's not possible for everyone, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there has to be like a retraining mm-hmm. of how to be in those relationships. Absolutely. And it's, and it's really tough. We talked about this, me and you the other day, but obviously the listeners don't know. We talked about how when you, become so hurt you develop a a mask you develop a shield you develop a wall well the thing about a wall a shield or a mask is it's not a one-way thing if you cut other people off from getting to know the real you or getting closer to you well you cut yourself off as well too the ability to be emotionally open with not just others but yourself isn't it you stunt your growth what thing in what thing in nature can you put in a bubble that's only like a fish grows to the size of their tank? If you can find something to be like, nope, I'm in this shell, it'll never grow. The scariest thing that any of us can do as a human, especially after being hurt, is to do it mm-hmm. again. Oh man, that shit is insanely scary. And that's when you start to realize how many triggers you really have floating around in your brain that's when you start to realize well is this thing this person doing a legit red flag or is it past trauma coming to resurface and haunt me and that's a tough thing to figure out and it it is and sometimes it it can be both like i said uh the other day when you and i were talking we have one particular person in mind who um who has these very intense relationships, friendships, everything. Um, And, and when I, when I became friends with that person, it was like a, an immediately like, Oh, whoa, I, I don't do this. And that came from a place of what I've been through in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, And now also I've like studied some psychology and I've seen it and I know it and I I can perceive it. But um, so, so there is a balance there of seeing like, oh, hey, this is not healthy and mm-hmm. also a fear and um, like emotional distance because mm-hmm. 
because I've been through it and it felt bad. It felt right. wrong. Right. Um, yeah, finding finding that balance of the, of hey, not completely cutting yourself off to everyone, but also saying like, okay, here I see this is not okay. Have you ever heard of the term? It's a narcissistic term called love bombing. No. Okay, so love bombing is a term that originally came from cults. So what a cult would do is they would find somebody who, you know, maybe their their um, love language is uh, words of affirmation. So they would mm-hmm. find that person that maybe is not getting that and they would love bomb them. And what they would do is they would tell the person how great they are, how amazing mm-hmm. they are and how it's just untapped. And other people don't see it, but we see it and come to us. And that's how people, especially when you're down or depressed, would gravitate towards a cult. Well, a narcissist will do the exact same thing to somebody. They'll see somebody that's down and then they'll start showing them insane amount of attention and they'll usually do it really fast and they'll tell them, oh, you're so beautiful. You're the best thing I ever met. We're probably soulmates. We're twin. You know, they'll tell them all these different things and who doesn't like that kind of stuff? Even when you know it's bullshit, even when you're, especially if you're not getting it, if you're not getting it from any other sources, it creates a really dangerous mix because even though your red flags are going off, well, do you want this thing that's making you feel really good to go away? Right. That's really hard to discern and that comes with maturity, but anybody's susceptible to it. Right. Yeah. Especially just vulnerable, lonely people. Mm Mm-hmm. I um, go back to, I mentor a foster kid mm-hmm. and um, a teen foster kid who's been in the, the system her entire life. Mm-hmm. And she ran away at one point and we didn't know where she was. We didn't know she had run away. <clears throat> the first thing that went to our heads was trafficking because mm-hmm. foster kids who are alone mm-hmm. and have no sense of what love is mm-hmm. and no sense of what um true friendship and Mm -hmm. responsibility is are perfect prime victims of someone coming in and saying the words I love you Mm -hmm. saying you're beautiful you're perfect I can give you everything that you have never had Mm -hmm. and they are ripe for I jump in let's do this I'll do whatever you want because you love me and that's like anyone, but any, so they're just easy because they also don't have a protective system mm-hmm. around them. Um, but anyone who has been hurt or doesn't feel loved mm-hmm. um, is vulnerable to people who are, like you said, narc- narcissistic and, mm-hmm. and know what to say to get them in. Right. And what even makes it more dangerous that is even if you have the love of your parents, and I think we all feel this to some degree, you can have the love from your parents, you can have love from your uh, family members. Well, at least for me, you have this thought in your brain, well, they're just supposed to love me because right. you know, they're my parents. They're That's just, there yeah. is requirement. So it's like, well, do people outside of this locus actually care about me? But the weirdest thing about it is that once again, the older you get, you start to realize how many you don't need a lot of external sources of love. Uh, you yeah. think it has to be this wide number of people, when in reality, right. it really could just be your parents and you'll probably be okay. 
or your brother yeah. and your sister, maybe one or two people. And so once again, anybody's susceptible to it because you're trying to see like, well, do other people love me in the same fashion that my parents do? Or is it just right. them because they're required? And if they were, if they weren't required, would they love me in the same fashion? Right. And I wonder if that's also because you, you grew up with that love. You never knew anything different. Right. And so when you've, when you've experienced a new love in your mm. life, that, that becomes a little addicting and you want more of it. Um, when, when all the time you've realized that this, the only steadfast love you've had your entire life and has been like uh, steady and stable and constant has been mm-hmm. your parents. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I wonder, you know, that's interesting that you bring that up because it is like you do seek more of it. You want more of it. You want to see how much you can get. Mm -hmm. Um, But then at some point, you're like, what I have is great. Yeah. Well, I think that comes with just becoming very disappointed in people. And what yeah. I've come to realize is that generally our disappointments from people come from us putting expectations on them, even okay. though they've never earned or even said that they wanted this thing. Um, mm-hmm. a, a female friend of mine shared a Facebook post. She read it out to me about a guy and a girl that were dating, right? And the girl for the last six months had been cooking. Oh, hey, oh, Bo Lane is uh, listening. Hey. <laughs> hey, Bo, what's the deal? <laughs> they had a discussion about a, a man and a woman who had been in. She says, hey, I'm saying it in your voice. Hey, y'all. <laughs> um, they had been dating for six months. And uh-huh. the woman had been doing normal things that a girlfriend does she had been coming over cooking cleaning so on and so forth and you know having casual sex but anyway she asked the guy well what are we and he was like "Mm, just really good friends well obviously she's she's hot she's angry about it she's like i've been doing all this stuff for you how could you say that and he's like well i never asked you to do those things you did them on your own accord and she's still furious going on and on and eventually, obviously, they say, well, you know, well, good luck to you. And hmm. my female friend asked me what I thought about that. And I said, well, honestly, I can see both sides because I've done that type of thing. And what I'm, I'm trying to get to my point, what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is it's only that I matured and got a little bit older, older that I realized it's wrong to do that to people. It's just fundamentally wrong. But on the right. same note, you do have to protect yourself. There is a degree mm-hmm. where you're you are the owner of your heart. So right. you don't ha- you don't have to do things for people if the expectation isn't clear. It would literally be like showing up to a job every day and they never give you a paycheck and you're upset about it. Well, you stop. You need to have made sure you signed the contract before you started showing up to work and putting in 12 hours every day. And if you're right. not getting paid, yeah, it's wrong. But you don't have to keep showing up for the job. And in right. having that conversation, I started to realize that women face a different problem than men face in the dating market. I've never had to worry about if I was talking to a girl 
and things starting to get were we exclusive or not because if we weren't exclusive well whatever I can keep having fun y'all don't mm-hmm. really think that way yeah uh, I think especially early on unfortunately I think some of us are trained to think that way uh, because of hurts in the past mm-hmm. um, so like the, it, you, you kind of do get to that point but I I think you know you're talking about expectations mm-hmm. and um, how you know at some point you realize hey my parents are my family whoever these are the people that have loved me my entire life and um, instead of going out and seeking relationships friendships how many people you can see who love you you realize that along the way you've put all these people on a pedestal that is not easily attained and every human is human and unfortunately at some point you've been hurt enough where you expect that mm-hmm. um, and expect hey you're cool you're my friend you're someone I'm romantically interested in but like I'm not going to expect you to be perfect I'm not going to expect you to fulfill these needs mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm going to expect you to suck at some <laughs> point <laughs> um, so so yeah I, unfortunately I think women um, have to learn to protect themselves, have to learn to be on guard because we're so used to being hurt mm-hmm. um, and so used to men um, getting into being manipulative. It's, mm-hmm. It comes down to, to this manipulation of like, oh, you're so beautiful, so wonderful, so X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they, they want to get you into bed. Right. And um, when you thought it was more than that, when you thought it was all of the above, bed and relationship, or he likes me for this and this, um, but then that's torn down, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the things that you thought he wanted, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. are insecure about. Right. Um, right. He thought you were beautiful, or you, you thought he thought you mm-hmm. were beautiful, or um, sweet, or liked your personality, wanted you for you. Mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden, he just he just wanted sex. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be satisfied, and he doesn't give a shit about any of those other things. Right, and that's tough. That's a tough yeah. thing because no matter how tough we are on the exterior, and men have to face that, but it's in a different way. And I'll touch on that in a second. You mm-hmm. feel discarded. You feel like you've yeah. just been used, and and in a way you have been. And no matter how tough we are on the exterior, bouncing back from something like that, especially repeated somethings like that, causes damage. It causes damage to the ego because then you start to wonder, well, am I even attractive? And I know that's a big thing uh, for a lot of women. Am I even attractive? Am I even worth more than just sex? Am I? Is that all I'm worth? Is that all I can get? Because that's what people keep seeming to want to offer to me. And once again, these aren't things that I ever really thought of because I was always on the opposite side. Um, For men, we wonder about slightly different things. Usually, are we being are are we being taken advantage of financially? Is there a possibility that this woman just wants me because this other group of guys no longer wants her and she's getting to an age where she needs to be married? And cause I asked a buddy, I asked a friend of mine, is it a red flag if a girl has dated a certain type of guy over and over and over and over 
And then all of a sudden, she wants to date you. Mm. What do yeah. you think? To me, it is. Because then it's like, mm, how did those relationships dissolve? Why is all of a sudden what I bring of importance? Is it because you're getting older and maybe you want kids and a family? And do you actually want me for who I am? Because if once again, if it's a needs-based thing, will that need change? And just like with a man coming at you for sex, his need is to have sex. And once he gets it, will the need change of that relationship? And what I noticed for women, because somebody asked me, how can you tell if a man only wants you for sex? Right. Um, well, the only way to know if a man only wants you for sex is not to have sex with them. Exactly. That's as simple as answer as I can give you. And that's that's the um, conclusion I came came to at some point was like, hey, if you honestly, I know it's not easy. I know that you know people want to have sex, but you know if there's if a guy says I'm a man, I have needs, you better do this. I'm Mm -hmm. done. You can walk out the door. Yeah. Um. And and it'll take me months. It'll be it'll be months before you get any if I'm interested in you because I am not going to I'm not I'm not going to give myself away like that anymore mm-hmm. um, because because it's ended so badly before right. so you you have to show me that you love me and that mm-hmm. you want to be here and that you're not swayed by something so um, physical and temporary mm-hmm. um, that you know that's all you want, and once you're once you're fulfilled by that, you'll leave. Right. Um, and I right. do think that it's hard. I think you know I said that men manipulate, but obviously women do too. Right. Um, right. And I, it's weird to hear that. Like mm-hmm. I, I've never mm-hmm. really because that's not what I. That's not your think. experience, I, right? Well, yeah. I just I think that everyone needs to be emotionally and financially stable in themselves before they seek it in someone else. But I've also heard. Mm-hmm. Um, a woman once say, "When you get older, it becomes a business financial decision." Yeah, that's yeah. not fun. Like because no. if you're going into it with that mindset, it is doomed for failure. You're you're the right. relationship's not gonna last because you don't like this person. Right. Like you can't be just like you can't be around a woman for any extended period of time because she has good sex, not in a everyday fashion. You couldn't be around a man every day if it's just for stability because right. yeah, you don't like them. You don't right. like them. For, and then the thing about it is both of those things you can get from outside. You can get from somebody else. So if right. somebody else comes along and is able to give you this, what you actually wanted with the thing that the person you don't want is giving you, well, then why are you gonna stay? You probably won't, right? Because right. you've already demonstrated that you're gonna, you're gonna hurt everybody. And yeah. um, picking somebody for that reason, whether it be financial or sexual, is actually a pretty manipulative thing to do, and it's really yeah. unfair to that other person. Absolutely, I I completely agree. And you know, I don't I don't know that people do it. Um, I don't think people always do it knowingly. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the need that they see that they they need. Right. Um, 
And so that's what's fulfilling whatever it is that they want at that time. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's this, um, this way of manipulating people that, and, and on some extent, maybe they do know that they're doing it, but mm -hmm. because it's something that they want, mm -hmm. they're, they're not always aware of the extent to which they are manipulating. Right. And, and then, then there's a possibility. Cause I had a friend of mine who was like this, um, I won't, once again, I won't tell all of his business, but he um, had a very difficult relationship with his mother. She wasn't there. And so he was definitely a serial monogamous. And what he would do is, I don't know if he would necessarily do it, but he would find women who weren't, he was an attractive guy, but he would kind of mm -hmm. find women that weren't necessarily the most attractive and that were generally a little bit older single mothers and um, really go at them really, really hard. Like, yeah, I really, really right. love you. I really want to be with you. Um, even to the point of proposing to these women, setting right. up marriage dates. And then once the first sight of something negative occurred, he would disappear. Just like, mm. just, and the thing about it is at first I thought he was just being a manipulative jerk. I was like, bro, why are you doing that? But then the more I talked to him, he, because he had this emotional need, he actually, at the time that he was saying it, believed it. So sometimes right. I don't know if these people are being purposely manipulative. I think they think that, okay, even though I'm not feeling it right now, maybe, maybe I will if I go forward. Right. Maybe, maybe this person I don't really like in that fashion. Maybe if I just keep chugging along, I will like them. I will feel that thing that I feel for this other person. And um, generally, I don't think it happens that way. But I think right. they lie to themselves so convincingly they give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, a dangerous combination, too, because single mothers are generally very strong and attractive, yet also mm -hmm. uh, are very vulnerable right. and, right. and um, want the stability of someone else to be there. Right. And so those are those are easy targets, whether he knew that or not. But mm -hmm. um, I think that also just goes back to needing to be uh, self-aware and um, heal something in, in yourself before you are ready for a romantic relationship to work. Uh, that self-healing aspect of before you step in a relationship is such a big one. And I think that's why it's really so important to vet people. A big red flag that I always see when, when you're talking to somebody is their previous relationships. If yeah. somebody tells you this is man or woman, I've seen this across the board, about how everybody was crazy, about how every ex they had was just this horrible person, I can assure yeah. you that once y'all's relationship concludes, you'll be in that bunch. You're going to be that person too. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And people leave out the reasons why that person was jealous. People will tell you things like, oh, they were insecure or they were so right. jealous, but they'll leave out the fact that they were in constant contact with a lot of their exes. They'll leave right. out the fact that they would go out all night and not return phone calls. They'll leave those huge things out that make them look bad, but make the other person um, you right. know, that would validate why this other person acted the way they did. Right. 
they make the they make the jealousy or the emotion of that person the cause and not the effect. Absolutely. So I always would watch somebody that would tell me people will divulge a lot about themselves if you just stop and pay attention and listen. I think my mom told me this one time and I think she got it from Maya Angelou that when people tell you who they are, listen. Because what I notice is in a joking way, people will tell you who they are. Like guys, mm -hmm. if you talk to them long enough, they're like, yeah, I'm a player, you know. I don't yeah. They'll say it, ha, ha, ha. No, women, I'm t they're telling you who they are. People will tell you that they're thieves, that they're cheaters. Right. But it's it comes down to what you want to hear, though. Right. Because we have a tendency to not want to believe it. Right. Because right. it hurts because we like this person. Maybe a prerequisite for dating people should mm -hmm. be, have you been to therapy? <laughs> <laughs> And how long, how long, I don't care about how many people you've dated or what you've done. Have you been to therapy and how long have you been in that relationship? Well, you know, somebody brought to me an interesting concept that I hadn't ever really thought about because I thought it sounded barbaric at the time, but I could see how, I could see how it could um, work in some degree, right? And that's prearranged marriage. I don't believe in prearranged marriages. Mm -hmm. You obviously have to find who you like but then if you think right. about it like this who would pick a better partner for you would it be like if you had like my daughter yeah. would I pick somebody better for her because of all the gained experience that I have or would she pick better I don't want to be cocky but I'm probably pretty sure because I know what I know even right. if it wasn't romantic I could pick better friends for her than she could sure. probably pick for herself and it's just like the car buying experience generally it's better to take somebody with you because they're yeah. not as emotionally invested and even if it wasn't prearranged as in your parents usually your friends especially the ones you trust they can tell you if somebody's good for you or not oh, i yeah. very rarely had it to where a majority of my friends were like this person's good for you don't leave them stay with them that they were wrong and the vice versa. If all your friends don't like somebody and your parents are like, hey, man, this is ding, ding, get out. Usually everybody else is right. We don't right. like it because we think that we know better. But generally, the field is right. Right. And I think um, Bo just said uh, she doesn't think arranged marriages are bad based on what she's been through as an adult. I, to I totally agree. And I mean, I'm sure, like, I think, I think the main thing that those are still out there is because we're in this um, era of life that's very self-focused, self-freedom. Like, I don't need someone else to tell me what to do, which is, is true to an extent. But right. um, um, I, I, I agree that it's, it's having an arranged marriage gives you, like, no expectation you know what yeah you're right and you're you're gonna go in real low expecting mm -hmm. nothing you don't even know if you're gonna like this person right um and you have to work on loving each other well mm -hmm. the danger yeah. is that you're you know not every father is you True. and not every True. father is going to see um what their daughter needs some maybe that father is controlling and mm. um really traditional and then they get stuck in something and awful, they, but, right because they could get a they, the father might pick somebody that's just like him 
exactly that would yeah. make the daughter miserable or a domineering right. mom would pick somebody just like them because like i think right. we, we talked about this question earlier who would you rather pick for a long-term spouse somebody with good sex bad credit or good credit bad sex right now right. if you were your parents your parents would obviously pick the guy with the good credit because they want yeah. you to have a good life and they'd be like all right look this is what would come with picking that other guy. This is all great. But we as people might pick the good sex person. Right. Yeah. With, because like you're as a person, again, especially in our generation, mm -hmm. um, seeking that immediate fulfillment, immediate satisfaction when mm -hmm. your parents are seeking your long term stability. Right. Because they've already they've already seen the ramifications of what happens if you make the other choice right right and Absolutely. how it how it will more than likely play out and what was really interesting i talked to you about this that the majority of the women that i talked to picked the person with the bad credit and usually right. the next statement was um well i can fix bad credit and i said well what if you couldn't what if they just were who they were and I usually was met with silence. Did you ever have a chance to ask any of your friends about it yet? No, I didn't. Which I I am interested though because the the I was sitting there like, man, who are you asking? Like, <laughs> because these like uh, are they were they younger people? Were they older? It was older? a mix. Were they, it was a huge. It was, okay. it was a huge mix, and I I was because I was just really curious if all the you know if it would be the same across the board, and it just seemed like. And I didn't ask any older, older women, like 40 plus. Okay. Um, I have a feeling like they would go with the good credit guy. Sure. If they were, well, actually, actually, I take that back. I did ask one and she was like, nope, I'm picking good sex because I'd be miserable. Mm. I'm like, yes. And I was, I was blown away. I was like, what? Mm. I was like, do you know what? But then my wife explained it to me in this way and I didn't think about it. It's like, she was like, well, when you pose the question, People see it as purely surface. They see it right. as, not with what comes with bad credit. They just see it as, oh, a score that you can work right. around in life. But I'm like, okay. So that's why I have to preface it now with you can't change it and really think about what could come with somebody with poor credit. Let's see. So Bo says in a marriage, when money is a problem, it makes life hard. Absolutely. It makes yeah. it really, really hard. And not just money when you're with an irresponsible person. Right. And I think right. we've all, because in all honesty, I won't say credit's the only indicator, but it's curious that a lot of higher level jobs require you to do credit checks when you buy a home. It's, everything else requires credit to some degree and is basically looking into somebody's past. And I'm not going to say that everybody with bad credit has poor relationships. But I'm pretty sure a lot of people with really shitty relationships have poor credit, like yeah. people that jump yeah, around. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'd be really surprised because people don't compartmentalize in that way. Usually when right. somebody's reckless in one area of their life, it bleeds off into another. I wouldn't right. think that somebody with facial tattoos is reckless just in that. I would think that they make a lot of other poor decisions and they probably also have bad credit. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a reason for bad credit. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I, that's, that's interesting. I think there's, I think there's two problems with the question. Okay. So you're, this is what you're going to have to fix. The, the, you give two options and it sounds like a, um, would you rather game? Okay. So, so it's a, it's, it, I think it'd be different if you were like asking it casually in passing and saying mm-hmm. like, okay, for, for my research, if you couldn't, yeah, like you said, preface it with like, if you couldn't change this about a person, mm-hmm. would you live your life with that, with a person with bad credit or bad sex? Mm-hmm. Um, and for the people who say that they have to have someone with bad credit and good sex or, or wait, yeah, bad yeah. credit, good sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they either it's immature or they've never been introduced to a vibrator, one or the other. I'm not really sure. <laughs> or they've never really or they've never really, really dated somebody long term with bad credit and good sex. Because yeah. I have and let me tell you something, people. It's fucking horrible. It is mm-hmm. a headache and a train wreck. And it is, yeah. Bo is laughing at me, but it's true. If you've ever tried to be in a long-term relationship with somebody that's irresponsible in whatever area of their life, and you're constantly having to play cleanup, it is not a fun feeling. It gets right. really, really, really old, really quick. But on the same note, I can honestly say that if there's somebody that I truly cared about, I don't think the sex has ever really been bad. Not right. horribly horrible. It may not have been mind blowing, but there's so many different things that you can do. And if right. because we've somehow taken out the um, the heart and head part of sex and made it purely physical, and that's where it's lost. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's a sex. Sex is a mixture of skill versus connection, mm-hmm. and connection I mean like you were saying earlier when you don't like someone mm-hmm. you're not aroused nope when when someone is a, an ugly human mm-hmm. like it like in their soul not a good person mm-hmm. you're you're not going to you're not going to enjoy sex with them you no. can't you can't no. even stand to look at them no so no. uh yeah so like it, it, i think people don't think through the question they're thinking very like surface level well, all they can think about is the really bad sex that they had. They're like, oh, man, I don't right. want right. to live like that for the rest <laughs> of my days. That sounds horrible. And in that context, yeah, it doesn't sound fun. You sound like you're living a life of misery. Right. But, and, and we'll just say for the sake of argument, you can't fix it. And then that, that's just, just horrible forever. I still right. would pick that person because we probably right. have a greater chance of making things work than the constant frustration of you making bad decisions all the time. Right. Yes. You're going to be, you're going to be so much happier. I I Mm -hmm. think it's, um, you know, I think they're thinking about it in a partner romantic standpoint, but if you think about it also, like you don't, your best friend, you don't have a sexual relationship, but you're happy with Mm -hmm. their company. And, um, yeah, you don't. I think people are just—they're not—they're not thinking through it. Well, and then you gotta think of it on a bigger realm. You're gonna get older one day. We'll say y'all right. get 50 or 60 and still together, and the sex part's not—it's still yeah. there, but maybe it's regulated to once a month. But right. this person 
you that you count on isn't picking you up from doctor's appointments. They're not paying the life insurance. All of a sudden, right. you realize you made a huge mistake and you're way too deep in the game to do anything about it. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Um, let's see. What other topics can we touch on? Because, you know, we're actually already an hour and 40 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is why this is why we can't talk too much while we're at work because we don't work. Fact, I, I don't know what you're talking about. In case anybody at work hears it, I'm always <laughs> constantly working. I'm the consummate professional. Right, right. And I'm and I'm always with it. But I would definitely say, talking to you guys, I can be a hundred percent honest. Um, the struggles that women have to face in dating, while some of them are self-caused. Are hard they're really hard because you're put in a place now especially with the way that dating set up is like you see a guy you like a guy and then you have to worry that if I don't give him sex early will somebody else and then he'll just move on or do right. I go ahead and move forward with it and run the possibility of once again being hurt and that he really didn't like me that's a really right. tough mental game to play all the time like right. I and don't even know how y'all would do it well that's the thing is that like you know when you've been hurt enough you mm -hmm. just don't mm -hmm. and I well you know but that again depends on personality so like I've said mm -hmm. I I just don't even play that game if they want to date they want to date and they mm -hmm. can do it without sex and right. to maybe a fault because I you know I know that sex is something people want. I, I don't even say that it's a need. I, maybe it is, but mm -hmm. like you can, there, there are ways around it. Right. Um, but I think that if you, if you are really going to be in this relationship, you can do it without sex until you prove mm -hmm. or, um, have spent enough time in this relationship to prove to me mm -hmm. that it's serious. Um, so I go that route, whereas, mm -hmm. you know, some people um, might not feel secure enough to completely blow someone off mm -hmm. if they say, well, I do want sex, so I'm going to leave. Um, whereas I'm fine with that person going, that might not be true for other people. Maybe they do want to keep that relationship alive, so they do need that sex life also right um right. so yeah it's a hard balance and i think it depends on personality and vulnerability and sensitivity and mm -hmm. and um and how confident someone is in making that decision but mm. yeah I, I you know traditional life is you wait till you're married and right. now it's right. um and that's probably you know like that's the wisest way to go. Let's it be is. Honest. It really is. Um, uh, it's just not. It's just not a reality these days. It, no, it really isn't. I mean, there's a chance that maybe you could meet somebody else with that mindset, but right. I don't think I actually have. Most people get that mindset after a lot of damage has already been done. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in a Christian, like super conservative home, so I I do know people okay. that that do it, but mm -hmm. I uh, but I think those are also the people who get married very young, and like mm -hmm. like we said the other day, like um, 
it's almost like a cute thing like right. oh so sweet you you don't know pain <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any um, it's very, right it's a very innocent and um uh sweet story and it's great for them um but i think it's it's a lot more rare you're right yeah and that really sucks that and even to a degree we look at those people as weirdos like, yeah, what, even though they're going to have they're going to walk away from life more than likely with not having right. to have that much bullshit knowledge floating around in their brain yeah. and without having yeah. to have all that PTSD. One caller, uh, Sammy, she was telling me about her parents and how they've been together for so long and they love each other and they still laugh. And why can't people yeah. have that now? And it really got me thinking, I'm like, well, what is the difference? And what you just said is the primary difference. If you were to rewind time a hundred years ago and you meet somebody and the the rule is, you know, we're not going to have sex until the day that we marry, we're married. Mm -hmm. That would mm -hmm. change everything. The whole, um, the whole dynamic, because you could meet somebody insanely attractive, man or woman, have that connection that we have, but say, well, since I can't have sex with this person, I'm married. Let me get to know them. People right. would start, We, you know, you can only hide a character flaw for so long and you're probably not going to get married within a year or maybe even two years. So that person is going to reveal themselves. And so now you have a choice to make. You're like, do I want to connect myself to this person forever just because of sex and because they're hot? Generally, the answer is going to be no. You're going to be like, this is not worth it. But then you're right. going to get to that other person, the micro person. And be like, well, I get along with this person, maybe not as crazy as the other one, but they have a lot of other things that I know that I would want in a long term person. Let me make this choice. And I think right. you would make way different choices. You wouldn't even and then if you weren't having the sex before married, you don't have anything to compare it to either. So that right. sex is going to be the best sex because that's all you got. Yeah, you don't know if it's good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> And I, yeah, I think, um, what was I going to say? Something about, uh, oh, but you're right in that it's, um, it's so rare now and so, um, almost like a faux pas. Like it's just like socially unacceptable mm -hmm. that I've seen it on the news. Like I've seen news stories of like, it's so incredible that this maybe 35, 40 year old couple um had both of them virgins what weirdos yeah yeah like it, like it literally i've literally seen it on the news that's how insane it is to certain people for um for not having sex until you're married but you want to hear something crazy and i've encountered mm -hmm. this the more and more that i work out it's very strange so we'll use tv watching for example right the average okay. person on a regular day maybe watches two to three hours of TV. You know, you get home, you veg out, you sit in front of the TV, right? Sure. What positive thing could you do in life that you could do for two to three hours a day that people wouldn't say that you're obsessed and a weirdo? I don't know. Uh, I think I think there are things that are more um, acceptable. But like, what? like Positive but, things. Yeah, so like if you say that you read two or three hours, two a, hours day. a day, but that's Nerd. also 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Then you're a nerd. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's accepted that you're, you watch two to three hours of TV. Every but single day. Yeah. yeah. And, but maybe some people would look at that as being lazy, but mm-hmm. for the most mm-hmm. part, it's completely accepted, even though you're turning your brain off, essentially. Right. And, and, out. and if you were to work out every day, if you were to go to church every day, if you were to do mm-hmm. things that would enrich, see a therapist every day for that same length of time to enrich yeah. yourself and be viewed upon as negatively. And that kind of plays into the sex thing. If you say, no, I'm right. just going to wait till I get married somehow. And I don't know how it happened. That's been made to be a negative thing that you're yeah. missing out on something. Let me tell you something. Now that I look back, if I had never gone to a bar or a club in my life, I would have been okay. Like, oh, yeah. it would not yeah. have been the end. And I probably would have saved a shit ton of money and saved myself a drinking problem down the road. I didn't. <laughs> I don't miss going to the bar at all. Right. There's a million different I, things well, that I could, to a degree, but like. There's, I guess the, the thing that I miss, like even just recently, I've, you know, and, and you know, I don't, I don't go out. I'm, I'm an introvert. I stay in. I. It's rare for me to uh, go with people to the bars or whatever. But lately, maybe because of the pandemic, maybe because of the lack of uh, community that people have had, I have missed the atmosphere and friendship of a bar. But but you can do that other places. You can do that in other ways. Mm-hmm. And it's much mm-hmm. more it's much more having to do with um, community and having having people having those. Uh, interact. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right in that like mm -hmm. getting getting drunk and and finding someone to have a one night stand with or whatever. Yeah. I mean there's never there's never gonna be someone that was like, man, I wish I had gone and had that one night stand. No, 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 no. Even if it was great, it's still like I wish I had done that. So Bo no, it's okay, Bo, if you want to ask she asked the question of so tell me something. Being that you've been married for a while, why do you uh-huh. think couples stay in relationship for years for the kids? How mm. do you think affects children when they are younger, when the parents separate? How do you think it affects a young adult when the parents separate? So I wish you had been here a little bit earlier. I think when couples stay together for years for the quote unquote kids, that's once again a needs based reason to stay together. Right. And it won't right. really work the moment that those kids moved out. I had a friend of mine, once again, I won't tell all his business, that did just that because his parents had divorced and it affected him so greatly that he said, no matter what happens, I'm going to stay in this relationship um, to make it work because I never want my kids to feel that pain. But he did it to his own detriment and it actually hurt him and the kids. Uh, To what I know, Bo, I don't know if his if his parents, I think they were together early, but he never really had a real connection with his dad. I don't even know if they were married, but the fact that his dad wasn't around greatly affected him. He told me on more than one occasion. Um, how does it affect children when they're younger and when parents separate? There have been, a, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've read a lot of research on it. It's never turned out to be a good thing. Kids mm-hmm. that don't have both parents are generally more inclined to, I I think there was a statistic that I want to say either it was one in 10 
girls who don't have their fathers have, you know, pre have babies out of wedlock, while girls that don't have their fathers, it's almost 75% will have babies yeah. out of wedlock. Same with um, jail, incarceration, and things like that. The, the numbers right. are higher because you need both parents, whether it's mom or dad. One not being more important than the other, it's a yin and yang type relationship. Uh, who do I think, uh, as far as affecting young adults, you know, honestly, I don't know because most of the divorce couples that I've met, like my friends, most of them, their parents were divorced at a very young age. The mm-hmm. one or two people that I can think of where they got divorced later in life, the kids started rebelling. They started rebelling and acting out. I say all that to say, not only have I never seen a positive effect from people getting divorced, I've never seen a null effect. It's usually always been a negative effect. Right. How about in your in your observations, Jackie? Uh, yeah, I, it, I, I don't have like a personal um, experience. My parents have been together since high school, and mm-hmm. they are still very much in love and wonderful and. Um, I've had a very blessed experience that way, but um, I, though, in what I've seen, I think you're right in that there's no, there's no, uh, if someone's unhappy in a relationship, either way, you're gonna, you're gonna be hurt because yeah. um, it, it, people are, when people are broken, mm-hmm. They're gonna be broken, and it's yeah. gonna hurt other people. It's gonna the people that are closest to you are are involved in that. So, mm-hmm. um, I think there's more healing down the road if um, you take out the toxic parts of that relationship. And if that's divorce, mm-hmm. then that's the better decision. But I think you need more um, you need guidance from people that are privy to <clears throat> what's going on in that relationship and. Mm-hmm therapy and and sometimes people have worked it out and it's been great right and then and then some like you said have stayed and it's been awful so i think there are so many different factors um involved in in making that decision um but you've i understand wanting to protect the kids but a lot of that um a lot of that protection comes from your own hurt and mm-hmm. your own trauma that you're trying to uh, protect the kid from that trauma as well. Right. Um, when really their trauma is going to be different from yours and there's ways that you can protect them um, and, and still make this difficult decision. It's going to yeah. be hard no matter what, but right. um, there are ways to support your kid and love them well through a really hard decision. Right. Do Bo says that she feels like it affects a young adult more, and I think looking at it from that perspective, you're probably right. I agree. Now, yeah. 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 You're probably right because now the thing that, and I'm I'm in your boat, um, Jackie, is that my parents were together the whole time, and so I sit there and sometimes wonder, like, man, what would it have been like if my mom was dating? And she had to deal with the problem that you guys have to deal with, seeing different guys in and out, having, being hurt. I don't know how that would have, once again, I don't think it would have had a positive effect. 
I just right. can't see it. I just can't see witnessing a stable relationship over the years versus watching somebody date. I just can't see how watching somebody date and get their heart broken would have made me better. Right. I just can't yeah. see it. And I could be wrong. I just can't see. I mean, I'm not saying that two parents staying together that have a really poor relationship is beneficial because it's not. It is not superior. But I don't think having a single parent versus a together household is really a comparison. I think the together household is by far superior. And I'm not yeah. trying to hurt anybody's feelings. That would just be my personal opinion. Right. I mean, it's like it, we were talking earlier about, you know, how the people that love you the most and have never not loved you mm -hmm. and all you've ever known is the love of your parents. I think in the same way, if you've had both parents, then it's all you've ever known is that stability. And, mm -hmm. you, and as a kid growing up, that's not only all you know, but all you, you need to know. You, right. that's, that's what holds you together. And when, when your stability and your picture of strength is broken, mm -hmm. that affects a kid. And yeah. especially, you know, when you're older as a teen or something, um, and you're more emotionally labile, right. it's, uh, it's, it's going to take a toll on you for sure. Absolutely. And you know, something very interesting, a video that I watched from a surprising source was a, a Dr. Phil video. And he was really? talking about blended families. And it's an old video, maybe from like eight years ago. Yeah. The failure rate for blended families and like marriages is really, really high. Really? Really high because you're introducing so many external factors. Like the, in the discussion that we just had, me and you, simply talking about the relationship between a man and a woman is mm -hmm. extremely difficult. If once you introduce outside sources, whether, you know, an ex in the form of a baby dad or a baby mom, uh, yeah. a whole nother family that you're having to deal with, questions about yeah. discipline, you're making it exponentially harder. It's like with us at work, things run smoothly when only one person is the head of the right. situation. You know, right. if there's a code, and they got the attending and he's calling the shots. The moment oh, you call yeah. surgery in there, right. it's, a it's a cluster every single yeah. time. And it doesn't even matter which attending's down there or which surgery attending's down there. It makes it right. exponentially harder. Um, so when you're talking about divorce, you're under the assumption that both of those parents are going to date again at some point. That's tough, man. That's yeah. That's really tough. Right. Yeah. And then the whole question of like, what is that authority to you? And, mm -hmm. um, when does the authority start and how much? And, you know, and as an older kid, as a younger kid, I think it's much easier to see that person as a parental figure mm -hmm. um, because they've been in your life longer and right. you don't know right. better. Mm -hmm. um, but as, an, as a teen, you're already starting to question authority. You don't care about adults. Yeah. Like, you're like who are you? Off. Bro, yeah, beat it. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I think it, it makes sense that blended families would be difficult. Yeah, yeah it's not. I wouldn't say impossible because nothing's impossible. But right. you, I've seen it work. Yeah, I have too. But you're just setting up 
a set of circumstances that are really just, you know, they're tough. That's all I could say. Um, I think divorce in itself is tough. I've never watched anybody walk away from that unscathed either. No, no, it's it's a death in a way. It's mm-hmm. a it's a really painful loss. And mm-hmm. even yeah. though that person's still there, you're completely severing a relationship, a, a foundation that you've known for however mm-hmm. many years. Do you think people look at divorce too casually? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I have a friend. I, I've had multiple friends who um, have very much played it off as like there's always divorce. Yeah. You know, like it's a, it's, it's, it's always there. It's always on the table. It's always an option. Um, almost too flippantly. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's always there. Obviously it exists. Um, but in almost an unwilling to work on things way, you know? Well, I think having that, having that in the back of your brain would affect who, once again, who you would choose as a mate. Right. Because if you're like, you know, whatever, I'll just get divorced. That means you'll yeah. probably pick the person that just excites you. Um, then, yeah. The Yeah, the, the bad credit person because you're like, well, this person excites me right now. We'll just get married. And it doesn't really, there's no real consequence. It doesn't have to be a forever thing because I'll just dip. So it's really like moving in 2.0. Right. Yeah. It's just uh, you're you're already seeing it as a temporary thing. So Bo said she believes divorce is just as casual as casual sex these days. Nobody thinks twice about it. It's forbidden in my book, but not to others. Unfortunately, Bo, I think you're correct. Right. People, I there, I don't feel like there's a real stigma behind somebody divorcing somebody. Like, it's literally just kind of like breaking up. Right. Yeah. I think, I think again, it, it's like... The traditional life is gone because mm-hmm. I think it used to be a stigma. Hell, it used to be like illegal, right? In certain yeah. ways, I don't yeah. know. But like you'd have to go through um, like all kinds of stuff. Right. Like you'd have yeah. to have a real reason why, like, no, this person is abusing me, or this person's constantly unfaithful. Not just right. because you're not happy with the way that the relationship is going. Um, right. So there, I think I, I don't know if it's Greek. I can't remember, but there's different levels of love, right? You mm-hmm. have, I think there's seven different levels. Like, like agape and philo. Exactly. And, and the yeah. last one is, is it agape? To where it's the love that comes over time that is not quite sexual or in nature. It's not quite from a pleasure place. It's because you know this person. You've gone through things with this person. You've, mm. you know their strengths and weaknesses, and you play off that. I think now in today's society, we only really feel the first couple of them, which is the excitement, right. and we right. never get to the last one, which I will tell people is much more fulfilling than the right. other two. It all oh, hands down. It's harder right. to get right. there. It's hard as fuck. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. It, it, that's the one that takes work. Yeah. And it takes going through really tough things. But like when you've when you've seen a person and been through this stuff with a person that's really difficult mm-hmm. and seen mm-hmm. the, the way that person has grown and changed and, and fought through mm-hmm. the the difficult things, maybe maybe you two fought through the, the difficult Fuck things yeah. and you're not on the other yeah. side. There's so much more joy. Absolutely. And so much Absolutely. more love for that person and that's it's a deep 
much, much deeper connection. Mm-hmm. And But if you really think about it, once again, anything that's worth having takes a lot to get. A lot of people are always asking me, well, how are you in such good shape? What do you do? But it's doing a bunch of shit I don't like doing. It's so much easier to sit down, watch TV and eat junk Mm -hmm. food, which are all quick hits. Easy pleasure centers get hit, but you don't really get anything from them. Same with going to nursing school. It's so much easier to just go work at Whataburger, but the fulfillment isn't quite there. And the same thing applies to relationship. You have to put in what's up, Joe? You have to put in some level. You have to put in something. Yeah. And there's nothing in life. And I mean, absolutely nothing that you get. That's just easy to get. And once again, this all goes back to casual sex. If it's easy to get, it start. It loses a lot of its value. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't last. Like it's not it's not lasting. It's it's very temporary. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's because it's because it was easy there's literally like literally people are called easy <laughs> yeah yeah and there's no there's no it's not good to be easy it's looked no. down upon no one um, likes it it's, no no it's there's no fulfillment in it and the stuff that you've worked hard towards not only not only like personally do you love and and cherish that person but you want to show it off you want to show right. off that like Hey, look at us. Look how far we've come. Look mm-hmm. how look at this person that I love who's been through all of this and how strong they are. And um and there's so much like on so many different levels. There's mm-hmm. there's pride and and a deep cherishing of that person. Well, I even I use this example all the time cuz we've all been to clubs and we've seen old men and we've seen old women yeah. out at the club, right? And even right. if they're still attractive and getting people, how do we look at them? We pity like them. Like they're creeps. Yeah. Like they're creeps. And is, this is so sad that this person is still out Pathetic. here. Yeah. Pathetic looking out for love. But what feeling do we see? I'll give you a good example. I was at Fredericksburg and it was kind of sad with my wife. And this old uh-huh. man, he was 90. He came to my, he came and started talking to us. And he, he said, hey, do you mind if I have a seat? I said, no, man, come on, take a seat. And he started telling me and showing me pictures about his wife who had just passed three years oh, ago. Man. And they had been together for 38 years. And he goes through hmm. this book and he's like, I'm sorry to disturb you. I said, man, you're not disturbed. You could tell that he needed somebody to talk to because that yeah. had been his partner for so long. And he showed oh, me wow. a picture of their from when they met to damn near the day she died. Um, oh. But that is more of a fulfilling life than somebody who's just slept with a hundred women. And we're just to oh, sit yeah. like if the, if the same dude came to me. And said, man, look at this picture book of all the chicks that I sat with. I might, I would tell him, like, bro, you need to get it from my table before I slap you. <laughs> That's oh, not a God. fulfilling life. Just like a woman yeah. who's slept with man after man after man, as opposed to one who's been with maybe one man for 30-something years, you look at those two people very different. And one of those stories is a lot sadder than the other. Right. And yet, so it's it's funny, as we're talking about this, it's so true. I... Uh you hear people brag about, you know, sleeping with girl after girl or guy after guy when like at some point you're like, okay, congrats, you're a pig. Yeah. Um, and yet at like, and yet at some point in life earlier on, usually it's, it's expected and it's known and it's what we want 
Mm-hmm. So why? Like, but even at that age, like you said, when we see the older person, we think it's pathetic. Yeah. So why, yeah. why then is it acceptable when you're that age? When you're young? Yeah. I think the reason why it's acceptable when you're young is, I think it's pretty straight. You just don't know any better. You yeah. and everybody else perceiving is doing the exact same thing. And it looks like, especially with TV, I'm thinking about like maybe rap videos or sex in the city and things like that. It looks like it's fun. You're getting right. that dopamine. You're like being with one person don't sound all that fun. Hard work in itself doesn't sound fun in your 20s. That's why people right. get tattoos and do shots and do all kinds of crazy stuff because you just want quick hits. You don't have a, a sense of time. When you're young, a week seems like a long to you like a long ass time. But when you're older, if somebody says, okay, we'll bring you this thing in six months, you're like, all right, I can wait. That's not that long. Because relative, when you're 36 months, isn't that long a time. And so I think that's the biggest problem. And also, and also another big thing, because I've talked to both the older guy with a bunch of chicks, and I've also talked to the older woman that slept with a bunch of guys. They, They lie. They don't tell you how unhappy they truly are. Right. You see it once you dig a little deeper, but misery loves company. They will lead you astray to end up just like them. Um, I know you've probably had older women give you horrible advice, like, oh, you don't have to listen to him. Be, you know, and, and the same vice versa works for men. You have some older, bitter guy telling you, you ain't got to listen to your woman, man. Do what you want or whatever crap. Right. Right. But when you yeah. look at them, they're not happy. Nobody's happy being no. that old single. No, 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 no. They have like five divorces under the belts and they're not liked by most people. Usually. Yeah. Generally not. And it's just so funny because once you see the fruits of what people get from it, if you were to be honest and really look, you'd be like, well, this isn't really a choice I want to make. Maybe I should find somebody that I can grow with as opposed yeah. to just being out here. Because, uh, hell, the closer I get to 40, the more I think about it, I'm like, that is not the life I would want at 40 to still be out right. like dating. Not even dating. Let me take that back. Out in the club looking for somebody. That sounds miserable. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which isn't dating. You're right. Right. I'd rather be asleep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> sleep is so good, man. <laughs> sleep. Oh, man. Sleep is so underrated. And I'm starting so to realize I try to I try to wake up early. I tried it. Uh-huh. Like I was waking up at 3:45, working out, and it was working really good. But every day at one o'clock, I'd almost pass out. I think I'm yeah. a natural night owl, man. I think I like being up in the morning, but man, I love just like waking up when I feel like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with sleeping in. And it did. It took me a while to do that too. I went through like a phase of like, like you said, waking up really strict, early time, doing X, Y, and Z, giving myself like hours to uh read something intellectual and then do some chores and then whatever and then mm-hmm. uh the more i work in the job i work at i'm like oh i have to sleep this is a thing i i'm not i'm not happy i'm not a good person if i don't like if i don't get a good amount of sleep and i'm realizing for me oh boy i'm probably almost lean. well actually i went to bed at 11 o'clock today and woke up at well i went to bed at 12 and i woke up okay. at like seven or eight because yeah, i my yeah. dumb ass drank some coffee at five o'clock 
thinking that I was a badass, man. I stayed up. I couldn't go to sleep for shit. But uh, right. I like about a good eight yeah, hours of sleep. Up, though. Yeah. yeah. Like I mean, I told you last night, like, let's do this in the afternoon because I just worked 75 hours or whatever. And I want to I, I maybe get to sleep for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. And then I still woke up at like seven. And what time did I text you saying, let's get to it? Uh, uh, like nine eight. o'clock eight yeah about oh, eight nine, something okay. and the reason why is because i had a feeling that this was going to run on for a little bit longer <laughs> and so if you do it later in the afternoon you start getting this urge of wanting Less to energy. speed up yeah and you get tired oh, like yeah. oh man i want to go do other things well if you do it early it's only noon right now even if, right. We, if we even if we were to go on for another hour which we won't because i'm getting hungry <laughs> uh, yeah it would only be one o'clock so that's right, why I generally yeah. like doing it a little bit longer. If I think I'm with somebody, I think I'm going to have a good conversation with. Oh. Oh, don't, oh. don't, let, don't let your now head I, Now I know. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> but um, I think I've run out of things to talk about. Oh, well, on that note, you're done with me. <laughs> Unless you have something you want to, if, if, if there's a subject that you want to bring up, I'll be happy to engage no, you No, I'm ready. I have to pee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got some boiled eggs that have been on since we started, and I don't know how they're doing. Hopefully, oh, they've been turned up. That's why God made more eggs. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I don't know what the next topic will be about, but I will tell anybody this. If you want to get on the show, if you have a topic that you'd like to discuss, I'm down. I'm always down. All you got to do text me i don't know if i have an email but if you if i know you you probably got my text just hit me up it doesn't even have to be about anything important it can be about whatever you want to talk about this is a totally judgment-free zone um don't really want to talk about a whole lot of racism shit i don't really want to talk about a lot of shit that has anything to do with a lot of hate anything i want to talk about is generally self-improvement based yeah and um, something that we're not